serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shaw flew up. Oh, he's toying with him now. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Good. It's the holiday season, the dead time in tennis season, but two huge stories have broken uh, around tennis culture, which is sort of maybe our favorite kind of tennis, almost. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's certainly much more interesting than describing, like, a supple backhand. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Also, the audio version of describing a supple backhand is not all that interesting, <laughs> I don't think. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we have two choices, which is Jennifer Capriati comes out as a Republican or Serena and the horse. What do you think? Uh, let's start at Serena at the horse. Cause that's like much more of a straightforward story. Yes, it is. So, uh, so in get ready, us. put on your outrage hats. Yes, sure. So, so Serena Williams was named sports person of the year. Easy pick, right? Like e- this is a non-controversial right. choice, right? Exactly. But people are upset because there's another well, great contender who is Tom Brady, right? That's got to be who it is. That's got to be it, right? right? No, it's not even a human fucking being. <laughs> Come on. And it's not even Secretariat. Like, I can see greatest horse in the world. Then it would be like 2% less insulting. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as I can tell, the controversy started not when she was named Sports Person of the Year. I think most people who follow sports, even casually, even um, the misogynists among us, would probably have to tip their hats to Serena because she obviously had a great year. She sure. tied Steffi Graf's record. Uh-huh. was poised to surpass it, which she'll surely do next year and had an incredible record. I think she lost like four matches. Right. Easy peasy. She's great. She's charismatic. She went back to Indian Wells exactly. and like forgave pretty blatant racism because she's a magnanimous, graceful, exactly. presidential woman. Then the fucking LA Times <laughs> tweets out who should have won sports person of the year. <laughs> Uh, emphasis on person, so I don't want to cast aspersions onto their social media director, but sure. you're you're setting it up, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it was a dead heat between American Pharaoh, the horse that won the Triple Crown, and right. Serena fucking Williams. Right. Dead heat is the exact way to put that correctly. Uh, you know? <laughs> that it is absurd. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I mean, like, it's w- one of those things. Like, I, re- I remember growing up, uh, uh, some of my best friends were from Pittsburgh. This family. <laughs> I thought you were going to say some of my best friends were horses. Or some of my best friends are horses. <laughs> I have nothing against horses, Caitlin. Um, they were from Pittsburgh. And uh, when Sports Illustrated or ESPN had their 50 greatest athletes of the 20th century. Number 50, I think, was Secretariat. And they were like, I can't fucking believe that Roberto Clemente wasn't in there. <laughs> like, between, <laughs> like, his life cut short and the humanity, he died doing humanitarian work. <laughs> and this is sort of an even worse version of that because <laughs> you probably want to, like, again, to stay relevant, like, Sports Illustrated probably wants to. Uh, have the greatest person ever at her particular sport be a sports person of the year, right? Like, it seems like... Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Um, can you see any argument for American Pharaoh? Like, even the provocative, like, well, let's shake it up argument. Like a non-human like a selection. Non- like a non-human. Time. Right, but it, it's crazy be. Because like, oh, to, to shit on my former employer, Time Magazine, sure. the, f- the best person of the year cover that happened said in my non-trademark sarcasm yeah. was the year in that they chose you. Uh, 
I know. And it was just a foil mirror. Yep. I want on the cover. I want a documentary made about the story pitch meeting around that. Like I if that's recorded, it would be amazing. Like the one guy who was like, I guess it could just be them. Can we do one of those cool mirror things on the cover? All right. Solved. It didn't even reflect. It didn't even reflect. Um right. blurry. You couldn't like see your face in it. Um <laughs> can I make an argument for a horse? Uh, <laughs> I'm just it would be entertaining to hear it. I mean, <laughs> I don't like horse racing, okay. main, mainly because, and I don't like r- racing racing because I feel like it's just, it could be happening in an antiseptic place. And I say this for human racing as much as, you know, like right. an Usain Bolt or somebody amazing right. who comes along, you know, right. it's like one of those parallel play sports, like you fire a te- tennis ball cannon at them and see how they react. <laughs> and then it's a sport. You know like what American saying? Gladiators. Exactly. Like American fucking gladiators. Exactly. Right. So it's hard for me to make the case for racing, period. Uh-huh. Like, you know, this is an animal that's bred to do a thing. <laughs> right. What else? Exactly. What? Do, what? <laughs> exactly. Does it even know? Like, did it get a fancy meal after the Triple Crown? I don't know. I don't did think it celebrate with friends? Yeah. You know? I, I don't think so. Also, I mean, the one interesting thing is, like, they got it in there before. I mean, I think there's a fair chance that, like, racing will be thought of as barbaric in the not too distant future, whether, that's it, a good point. whether it is or isn't. Like, I think that's just, like, the tide of. Uh, the tide of thought around sport and like tied into the concussion thing and everything. Like I think people mm-hmm. are, will scrutinize it more and it may not be around all, all that much longer. So I guess that's the only possible positive I can see. I right. Guess. And like this being such a historic thing that hasn't happened since secretariat, right. maybe this is the only way of, you know, my favorite, some of my favorite fallout, you know, sort of predictably fell along the like, women are treated so shitty and being a person of color is such a shitty experience. And yet the indignities that are piled on, this is one more indignity. So that was like an entertaining thing to watch and feel ridiculous about. But I have to say the USA today, which, um, which wrote a very provocative op-ed about this Uh headlined their article, Serena Williams deserves sports illustrated over horse. (laughs) You should clip that out. I want that framed. (laughs) And you're like, cool. The racing fans are like, if we've lost USA today, we've lost middle America, you know, take off their glasses slowly. Moving on. Jennifer Capriati, Republican. Right. And not just Republican. Like we're, we're not talking like Rockefeller Republican. Like the part that surprised me the most was like the nod towards conspiracy theories. She was like, he's destroying this country. It almost seems like part of a plan. Does it? Does it? I'm <laughs> Does not it Jennifer sure. Capriati? Right. Okay. First, first let's stay positive for a moment. Um, uh, there are not that many uh, that I know of, other than I guess a lot of baseball players, Republican athletes, right? Whoa, whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa. no, the milieu. Totally wrong. How really? Yeah. Really? I would actually argue most athletes are Republicans. I guess I'm so into tennis and the NBA that it's skewed. Where I feel like yeah, because tennis is such an international sport, and like we forget how enlightened the rest of the world is about a lot of stuff. Right. Not that everyone is, but like. Although they love a tax dodge. <laughs> they sure do. Everyone wants to set up shop in Montenegro, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, no, I think most athletes are actually, when it comes down to it, uh, Republicans, at least fiscally, wow. because they have money to protect. And also, like, remember, most of these athletes that are famous, like, grew up in blind belief in authority huh. and, like, by vis-a-vis patriarchy. Yeah, I bet you didn't think this was going to get sociological, but it did. No. 
Um, I think that that like makes most athletes sort of prone towards it. At least the athletes I knew in college, they were all wow. very like, Jesus helped me score that goal. It's right. like, no, you're just a good, you're just good at shooting goals. And maybe Jesus like gave you. Again, you played at a much higher level, but I feel like the, the people that I played against, like it could easily be like, Jesus helped me score that goal. And I'm pro gay marriage and believe the government has a role in education. <laughs> like I think, yeah, yeah, I think we might, we, we, this is an area in which our experiences are profoundly different. Yes. I think that that's right. So Jennifer Capriati as a 32nd primer, you know, obviously child star at 13 turned pro at like 15 made the semis of Wimbledon, uh, losing to Sifograph, but like in a thrilling match that sort of announced her presence. Right. She was really good for like a year or two, like kind of a short amount of time. Yeah. And then she, burned out famously because her dad, Stefano Capriotti, was like a notorious, like terrible tennis parent. Right. Uh, of the classic mold. And right. A year later she had like washed up in some like Florida beach town with a nose right. ring, like getting busted for pot. Right. Things have changed. Like it was like a black mark on her soul that she got yeah. <laughs> caught smoking pot. Now it'd be like, eh. Like would you say she was the last um the last female player that was like shockingly young like the last of the tracy austin line yeah like her and hingis her and hingis right and it's just yeah. like like i do feel like had a chance and she did have an awesome comeback like in the early 2000s right she did yeah. she she like came back to the sport on her own terms like yep. kind of without her dad worked her ass off and yep. had like a couple of grand slam uh, victories. I think she won like the Australian and maybe the US Open in like 2001 to 2003. Right. And it was, um, it was fun. It was like, it was a cool. Great, yeah. And it was like a great sort of tonic to Hingis in a way because she just hit like a super flat ball. Yeah. Like, she just, just hit like, like a million miles it. an hour. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. And like watching her and like Hingis like hit little slices. But it was fun. Like I remember, like I, like I, like to think positively of Capriati. Again, these are sort of crazy. Like, it's the conspiracy theory thing that I feel like, come on. Ugh. And, like, there are a few people on the very liberal end of the spectrum who are always, you know, tweeting about, like, government conspiracies also. And I'm kind of also like, hey, man, just set this one out. You don't, <laughs> you don't need – Twitter's not your thing. Exactly. You know, uh, like, weave this into a complex, moving work of art, and then let's talk about it. Right. Anyway, Jennifer Capriati and Serena Williams, both news items. Um I have something that uh, I got surprised today with a gift by my friend, a friend of the pod, Dave. Uh -huh. Okay. Oh, right. Um, I got this Sheftel. amazing. Yeah. I got an amazing gift from Dave Sheftel, a friend of the pod, um, and I wanted to talk to you about it a little bit. Go. Are you game? Yes, I am game. Okay. So John McPhee, famous oh, writer, yeah. wrote Levels of the Game. Yep. Um, along with Albert Eisenstadt, the famous life photographer, teamed up to create a coffee table book in 1972 called Wimbledon, A Celebration. Wow. And it now is in my possession. So what what kind of players were playing in 1972? What are we talking it's about here? Labor, uh -huh. Stan Smith, Yvonne wow. Goolagong, John Newcomb. Wow. Everyone's in short shorts. There's one description of Stan Smith uh, putting his wallet on the umpire's <laughs> awesome. chair. That is fantastic. Yeah, like people are smoking like in the background. <laughs> There's a lot of like pictures of like the crowds and everyone has like bushy mustaches. It's pretty great. I that am is really great. delighted with it. Right. Um and it was like an unexpectedly amazing uh book. And you know, the reason I said supple backhand at the beginning of our conversation is because that is literally a turn of phrase uh, that uh uh John McPhee uses to describe a Spanish player playing against 
Stan Smith in the in the the British Blazing Heat of Court Five, and it was just <laughs> like, oh yes, that is awesome. I was watching, uh, so I had a lot of late nights at work. We were making something, and while the podcast that I was making was getting mixed, I kind of had some time to kill and really fell down a rabbit hole on YouTube tennis, which I think is like the greatest thing in the world. I watched a few Pete Sampras matches, and like. He was really great. I mean, we've knocked him before, but it'd been a long time since I saw his one of his matches and just like a crazy good athlete. Yeah, he, he was great. Yeah. The way he could stretch and angle. Right. I think we are unappreciative, less than appreciative of right. in the modern context. Right. Right. And I mean, when he plays like like having watched Nadal play with his racket, like I would believe Samus's racket was 11 pounds. Like not eleven oh, ounces. Yeah. It looks like he's he's like toting around a yeah. frying pan. And then yeah. when he gets it around, though, the I guess people call it what plow through. Like he mm-hmm. just like the ball just like f- like his cross court was amazing. Um, and you have to be a really good athlete just to play with that racket. It's almost like a dare. Like, can you win with this thing? I also want to revisit my um, initial hatred of him because I feel like now that I never ever see serve in volley tennis. Yeah. I also have been encountering some old matches because I figured out how to set the default channel on my television to uh-huh. the TV channel yeah. instead of New York One, and it's right. been a revelation. To, because to, all to of the sudden, tennis channel, you said to the... The tennis the channel. channel. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'll just be like, oh, a Davis Cup match from 1995. Amazing. Amazing. You know? I, w- I watched a, uh, I think the cut-up highlights of Sampras Krychek from mm. the US Open, man, two like huge dudes huge serving serves. Bottles. Huge. Totally. And also just like pretty, like they're both young enough that they were still making like outrageous volleys yeah. off off their laces. Just crazy stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like half volleys picked up and like the amount that Pete Sampras like hurled himself into the court and right. just like took diving stabs at volleys. I don't, I don't appreciate that as much. And I want to atone before the new year because right. I am glad you brought that up. It's been brought to my attention now twice and I feel like I need to own it because he really was like pretty fantastic. And we had, we, we, I didn't appreciate him as much because I liked Agassi a lot better. Pete Sampras, here's to you. Right. Um, what a good 2015 we've had. I'm really excited for the new year. Yes. So am I. And we're not too far away from the Australian open. You know what? It's around the corner. We're going to have lots to talk about very soon. Right. And just to be sure, Serena is healthy for this, right? Like, there's no chance she's she's going to miss this tournament. No, this is going to be 23. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah, great. I'm, yep. we're good. We're all okay. set. I think she was just heartbroken. I think that's why she skipped Asia. Yeah. What do you want for the, for the new year? I want Federer to win another. Sure, of yeah. course. Right. And I'm, um, I'm not, like, a crazy huge fan of his. I mean, he's great and all of that. But I just think it would be really fun, uh, the more I've thought about it, to have him win, win one more and just kind of walk away after that. Although that doesn't seem like his style anyway. I want Maria Sharapova to, no, 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 no. I'm not going to waste my wish on Maria. Cause I don't think she's <laughs> capable of adding enough context to her game to actually challenge Serena. Uh-huh. I want a healthy and resilient Victoria Azarenka. Yeah, sure. I sure. want that for 2016. I think if anybody's going to give Serena a run, right. it can be her. And I think she was healthy and had some good tournaments, but ran into like some unlucky draws early. And I right. think it was, like, I, th- I think if you were to look at the saber metrics of Azarenka, she's ready to be back on top. Totally. And I feel like she's still maybe... Sharapova has just lost so many times. It's hard to 
hard yeah, to be positive. Yeah, but Azarenka has it within her grip. Right. Like, it's, it's still possible. Like, almost everyone else can only beat Serena when Serena beats Serena. And it feels right. like Azarenka could beat her on a day where she only half beats herself. Yeah. Right? Like, like Azarenka could actually could actually climb and, and surpass that challenge. Yeah. Yes. I think it's possible. So that's yeah. what I want in 2016. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't even have to happen in the slam. I just want to watch that match and be excited by it. Right. And actually, you don't want it to happen. Like, you want her to break it early. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, like, she's 34. She could get injured, have a bad injury at any time. Like, let's just yeah. get this done. So Yeah, she needs to get it done. She is the greatest. She's better than that fucking horse. <laughs> she's way better than any horse. I can't believe it's come <laughs> to this, that we have to say that. <laughs> God damn it. Um, God damn it. All, all right. right. Until 2016, my friend. All right. Later on, Caitlin. Bye.